just in case you didn't recognize, Brother Chris is not here. So today you have the substitute batter that's up on the plate. And we're going to do our best. But this morning, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to, to get to teach in Sunday school. But I do realize that Brother Chris is, he is the consummate to me Sunday school teacher. I'd love to hear him teach. And even though I not, know he's not a perfect person, to me, he's a perfect Sunday school teacher. But today, for all of the rest of us, we're going to have Sunday school for imperfect people. So today, Sunday school for me, and if that fits you, Sunday school for you. Now, if you are a perfect person and you have no flaws, you are dismissed. Right? You're welcome to stay here, but we don't want to, you know, screw up your average. So if you're perfect, then this is not for you. But if you're not perfect, if you've got a few flaws and a few foibles, then maybe there's something here in this lesson for you today. We're going to start in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 138 and verse 8. And it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. Will perfect. Meaning, not perfect right now. And while most of us know and understand that we're not perfect people, nor perfect creations, sometimes we're a bit taken aback when somebody other than ourselves points it out to us. It's perfectly fine for me to say I'm imperfect and for me to look at you know, myself and my own flaws and my, my own inadequacies, but if you start pointing out my flaws, then I start to get a little bit defensive. So I just want to go ahead and offend you right now and get it out of the way. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect at least not on our own and left to our own devices. So while not stating it directly in this opening passage, the psalmist does still acknowledge his own imperfections and the imperfections of the human condition by recognizing the need for God to do some perfecting. God will perfect. I am not perfect right now, but he'll go through the process of things that concern him and concern me that he has put in me. So let's look at the word perfect or perfect. It comes from two Latin words. Y'all know I've been on a, a kick about words lately and where they come from and how they're broken apart. It, that's just how God's been speaking to my, my brain for some reason. You know, last couple of years it was science now it's grammar I don't know I, I just think God's saying to me you know I, I'm gonna get to you however I can get to you and whenever you get comfortable in one way we're gonna leave that alone we're gonna do something completely else completely different so you'll keep paying attention but perfect comes from two Latin words a prefix P-E-R which means through or completely 
and the word fasir, which is also where we get the word facilitate. And fasir means simply to do. And so the word literally, as a compound part of speech from the prefix and the, the definitive word itself means to completely do. That's what the word perfect or perfect literally means, completely do or completely done. Now, in our modern definition, the verb means to bring to full development, to finish or complete something so as to leave nothing wanting or to make something completely free of faults or defects or as close to such condition as possible. And in the adjective form, it means complete, full, finished, lacking in no way, or having all of the required or desired elements, qualities, characteristics, as good as it is possible to be. And so I realize that that does not pertain to me in any way, shape, or form. This morning, we know and understand that perfect means to most of us without mistakes. But from this definition, we can also see that it also can mean complete. And so this morning, we're going to focus on that second part and look at imperfect from the perspective of not complete or not completed yet. So that is the what that we're going to talk about. We know the who, us. We know the when, now. And we know the where, here. So now we're going to talk about the why. Why are we going to talk about this? Why is it important for us to learn about this? And why are we imperfect? Because we, as humans, love the question, why? If you've ever been around a toddler or a three, four, or five-year-old for any amount of time, you know that they love that question. Why? 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 I've got to, you, you got to go clean your room. Why? You got to eat all of your, your breakfast. Why? They love that question. And as we get older, whether we like to admit it or not, we still like the question, why? We don't ask it in the same context or with the same frequency out loud, but we do in our minds especially whenever we're going through something that we don't want to and we don't understand. Because, see, that child is coming from a perspective of they don't understand. You may have told them, and so they may have heard the words that are the reason for whatever they're going to do, get dressed or eat all their food or whatever, but they don't really comprehend the reason, and so they ask the question, why? And whenever we go through troubles and trials and situations that we don't understand, the first question that comes to mind is, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? We still have that same mentality. We're bigger, but we still act the exact same way whenever we find something that we don't understand the reason for. So it stands to reason that we as humans might ask in this context, why? Are we imperfect? And the most complete answer is because the Lord made us that way, really and truly. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an helpmeet for him. 
God said in Genesis, man's not complete all by himself. I'm going to make him a helpmeet. He said at the very beginning, the first man that was created, and he said, it's not good that he's by himself. He's not complete. He's not whole. There's something lacking. So I'm going to add to him something that is external to him. And so that concept of in and of myself, I am not whole and complete. I need something else to finish me is the concept that God used. And he created Abraham, I mean, he created Adam needing somebody. Adam was not self-sufficient from the get-go. And you know what? That was okay because that was how God made him. So remember that because we're going to use that later on. And our God, in his creative power, made lots and lots of things that were imperfect or not complete when viewed on their own. Take any animal, whatever your favorite animal is, that animal is not complete. It needs food. It needs water. It needs sustenance. And if it's the only one of its kind, it's not going to exist for very long. It needs an opposite gender to be able to make sure that the species survives. So any animal in and of itself, by itself, is not complete. It needs other things, especially water. All of us need water. Water itself is not complete because if it just sits there and doesn't move, it stagnates. And so water has to have outside forces, whether it's gravity or whether it's air or whether it's evaporation, to move on that water and create the water cycle of evaporation, goes into the atmosphere, comes back down as rain, fills up. The water needs other things in order for this water cycle to be complete. The earth itself needs the sun and the other planets to make sure that its orbit is stable, that the turning of the earth on its axis remains stable so that the seasons remain stable and that we all exist and don't either burn up or freeze. Although if you walked outside this morning, you may have frozen just a little bit because this is Louisiana and we're not used to it being this cold. We don't like it. You know, global warming, it's really cold. But we're, we on this earth are not complete with the earth just by itself. We need the rest of the planets in the solar system. Our solar system needs the rest of the systems in the Milky Way galaxy. It's not complete by itself. So God has made lots of things completely made, but almost everything that he made needed something else in order to survive. Because there's a difference between existence and survival. Things can e exist once and then die and cease to exist. They have existed, but they no longer exist. But to survive, things have to continue to live from generation to generation. And so with that mindset, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We briefly touched on the same exact passage on January the 30th in the Sunday school lesson that I taught, The God That I Know. But now we're going to hit it from a completely different angle. 
And this passage is a little bit lengthy in the reading, but we need to see it all in context to really get the point of what God is saying to us today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 12. And it says, For as the body is one, it's one body, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are just one body. So you've got ten toes, you've got ten fingers, you don't have thirty fingers, you you have ten, you have the, the number that you were designed to have, but you're just one body. And so I am not multiple bodies, I am one body. I've got many pieces, but just one body. And he said, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or slaved or free, whether we be, we, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now they are many members, but yet just one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are more necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, the digestive system, that whole process, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts, or our not-so-beautiful parts, have more abundant beauty. The things that we don't really like to talk about or, or feel or anything with our body are very necessary. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And this is where he relates it now to how we operate in this body. That there should be no schism or separation in the body, but that all the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all of the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all of the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, which is administration, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all the hand? Are all prophets? Are all the mouth? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? 
have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he begins to go in chapter 13 into love. But each and every one of us are members of a body. We have a part to play because we are a part. A body of believers that is the adult Sunday school class. A body of believers that is the Bentley United Pentecostal Church. A body of believers that is the church of God, the bride of Christ. We are all part of that body. And the part that we are is a member or a piece of the body, but it's only one piece. But the body needs all of its pieces or it's not a complete or perfect body. So all of us have a part to play in this body of Christ. And what does that mean in regards to our lesson? Remember the why were we made imperfect? We are not perfect in in and of ourselves because then we could not be part of the body. We are all of us incomplete and merely exist on our own. But when we become part of the body of Christ and we are fitted and joined into this body, with the body, we survive. Why am I not perfect? Because he made me to need others and made others to need me. He made us this way. And that's awesome. However, that also places another layer of responsibility on me. Because I am a part or a member of something larger than myself, I need those other parts, but the other parts also need me. We all have to function correctly for the body to be working properly. Additionally, if we have not, if we, excuse me, additionally, we have to not just be in unity, but we also have to be filled with the Spirit for the body to be filled with the Spirit. Yesterday, Brother Pat was lying right here in this building. We had his funeral. His body was right here. But his spirit wasn't there anymore. It was a complete body. All of his parts were there. But he was not alive because the spirit was not in him. His spirit had already gone on to glory and all we had left was the shell. If the body is in unity but is not filled with the spirit, then it's still not alive. It's got to be filled with the spirit. And the only way it can be is if we as individual pieces are filled with the Spirit. And that's not just a one time, I got the Holy Ghost, I spoke in tongues, I'm done. It's something that we have to work on every day because trust me, if you are filled with the Spirit, the enemy is going to fight against you and try to make sure that you're not completely filled with the Spirit, you're only partially filled with the Spirit and there's something else in there tainting what God tried to make of you. So, This church, without the Spirit of God in it, is just an empty shell. But it's more than that. A finger laying off by itself is not a body. It's only a part of what once was a body. And you and I can't live our lives without each other just as individuals, even if we're filled with the Spirit because we're not a whole body. 
we are only a finger or a toe or an eye. We need each other and we need to be together in order to be called a body. And that also removes some of our excuses for criticism. What if my eye looked at my foot and scoffed? Because you know, a lot of times I will stand on one foot. You know, I'll balance on my left foot and my, my right leg and my right foot are just kind of there. They're providing a little bit of balance, but I'm not standing on them. And what if my eye said, right foot, I don't need you. Look at you. You stink. You smell bad. You look funny. What, I don't even want you as part of the same body that I am. But what if somebody came in the back door and waved at me, and because I'm now 41, and I'm not in my 20s anymore, and I can't quite make out who that is, and I need to be a little bit closer for my eyes to focus, and I go to step forward and that foot's not there, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to fall flat on my face. And all of a sudden, the foot becomes needful. So what about whenever I have something against somebody else, I don't want to be part of the same body as you because I don't like the way you do this or you look funny or you smell funny. Or we're all part of the body. And God has put the body together. Adam didn't get to say, well, I, you know, I think I really want 12 fingers instead of just 10. God put the body together as it pleased him. And it's the same way with us. God put this body together as it pleased him. And me being a finger or a toe or an eye or a stomach or a pancreas or whatever don't get to say, well, I think we should have so-and-so instead of so-and-so. The body doesn't get to make those decisions. What if I were gutting a fish or cutting up something in the kitchen and the knife slipped and I cut my finger with the knife? Now, I might say to myself, well, that was dumb. I knew I shouldn't have been holding it like that. I knew I shouldn't have been getting that knife close, that close to my finger. But the rest of my body is not going to act in the mindset of, well, that was dumb. You're just going to have to fix it yourself. As soon as I cut my finger, then my nervous system is going to trigger pain responses to my brain. My brain is going to act on my adrenal glands, which are going to release adrenaline into the body, which is going to make the heart start beating more rapidly, which is going to push blood down to that affected area, and it's going to be bleeding, but all of a sudden platelets are going to be breaking and starting the clotting process of trying to seal up that wound. And my endocrine system is going to release chemicals into my body that's going to ignite my immune system. They're going to send white blood cells over to the affected area to sit there and wait in case any infection should come through. They can attack and consume it and try to keep my body whole because there's been a breach in the wall. The thing that protects the body has been cut and has been ripped open, and now my body's going to go into overdrive trying to fix that breach because stuff is leaking out, and stuff that's not supposed to be on the outside all of a sudden is. Things that were supposed to be kept inside are now leaking out. So what happens whenever we have somebody as part of our body that all of a sudden begins to act in a way that we recognize that's not normal or that we don't agree with. We can either have the mindset they shouldn't be doing that. They know they're not supposed to be doing that 
or we can immediately kick into the response of, I got to pray for them because that's not normal. Holiness that has been part of them is now leaking out. And their behavior shows that something is wrong. I've got to be praying. I've got to be a platelet that's breaking in front of their wound and keeping infection from coming in. I've got to be a part of the response and not part of the condemnation because we're all part of the body. And God didn't say, if this finger doesn't like being part of this body, then it can detach itself and it can go attach itself to her and be part of her body. That doesn't work. I I can't just say, I'd rather have six fingers on this hand. Let's attach another one from some other body. That doesn't, that doesn't function properly. And if your body has cells that are not supposed to be there, that begin to grow in a way that was not intended, we call that cancer. So whenever we, as part of a body that God has placed us in, decide I don't like the finger or the toe or the eye or the ear, I'm going to uproot myself from this body and go be part of another body that God didn't put us in then we become a cancer because God didn't place us there. He placed us here. He placed us wherever he placed us. Now, if God takes you and moves you somewhere else, then that's God's business because we are the bride of Christ. So, guys, this doesn't, we we don't get this part of the concept as easily because we're men and we don't have babies. But sometimes God does take someone from a church and grow a ministry in them and then take them and put them somewhere else. I mean, you think about Brother Shane Morris. He was spiritually an artificial insemination. He didn't grow up in this church, but God brought him into this church. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. God called him to preach. God allowed him to grow up for years and years in this church under Brother Briggs' ministry and then sent him off to dry prong. And something was birthed in this church and delivered, and then God moved it somewhere else and is now doing a work there. And I didn't want him to move. That's my best friend in the world. I wanted him to be here with me. But that wasn't my decision. Brother, uh, Brother Wally and Sister Tammy Markham, they were here in this church. He was our guitar player. And God is now using them in the Georgetown church. They're now providing music at that church. I wanted him to stay here and play guitar for us. But whenever it's God's decision, then God can move people from one place to another. And sometimes it's something that's not a birthing process, but in the natural, we have people that donate a kidney while they're still living and while they're still alive and they donate a kidney to somebody because that person needed one and they were going to die. And sometimes God will uproot somebody from one body and take them and place them in another body because he knows what each body needs. But we're not allowed on our own just to decide, I don't want to be part of that body. I'm going to go over here because I don't like this one and I don't like that one. Brother Tenney said, if you move churches because of problems, you've only changed the location of your problem. You haven't solved anything because a lot of the times the problem is with us and our perspective, not with them and what they're doing. Because see, if the the nervous system registers that pain from the cut, if the brain looks and sees the cut, 
all of the processes that are involved with the recognizing there is a problem here are part of the solution. And so God said in the word, you which are spiritual, if you, if you see a brother in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore that one in a spirit of meekness. If we recognize a problem, then we are responsible for praying for that problem. It's the enemy's business to be the condemner and the accuser of the brethren. If we see a problem, we're responsible to pray for that problem. And it doesn't only go into the context of the church, but also the context of a married couple, because we complete each other. If there's a problem with one of us, there's a problem with both of us, because we are one flesh. We are together one body. We complete each other. So, you know what keeps everything about this in the right perspective? Right attitudes and right spirits. What this church was founded on, the teaching that God gave to Brother Briggs that he built this church on, right attitudes and right spirits, if that remains the foundation of our relationship with God and the, our relationship with each other, then it becomes a vital part of making sure that the body operates properly. So circling back to something we mentioned at the beginning about Adam, Adam was not self-sufficient from the get-go. And that was okay because God made him that way. You and I are not self-sufficient from the get-go. And you know what? That's okay because God made us that way. So now let's consider our opening text in a slightly different light. Psalms chapter 138 and verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. What if this God that we're serving has more in mind for perfecting than just making us free of mistakes? That's most definitely part of what he does in us. But what if it's also more than that? What if it's also that completing is in addition to making free of mistakes? What if the process of perfection looks more like God putting together a puzzle and I'm only one piece of it? Last night, Ella was putting together a puzzle on the table and it's like a thousand piece puzzle. And it looks like, and, and I'm not sure because I didn't look at it that closely, but it looks like about 150 different stamps of different kinds and all of them with the little you know, classic stamp design with the little circles cut out of it and they're all pasted together to make this picture with all these different little different size rectangles and shapes and whatnot. And I picked up one piece and there was one little bitty, I mean the pieces were tiny. And this one tiny piece was red with a yellow stripe right in the middle of it. And there was no possible way that you could take that piece and figure out what the picture looked like. Because it was just red with a single yellow stripe, and that was it. There was nothing else on it. It was a band of red, band of yellow, band of red. Nothing else. By itself, it really didn't look like much. It was weird shaped. It only had two colors. There were no 
pictures or patterns or anything else, just solid colors, no texture at all. But the thing she was putting together was beautiful, but you couldn't tell it from that one piece. And the body of Christ that he is making, that's our church and the next church and all of the rest of the churches together that make up the bride of Christ is a beautiful creation. I may not consider myself beautiful, even in the eyes of men, much less in the eyes of God, but I'm only one piece. And I can't tell what God's doing just by looking at myself and how God's moving in my own life. But you take that piece and you put it next to another one. You take me and put me next to you. And then take her and put next to us. And all of a sudden, a picture begins to form. And you can begin to see an outline and a pattern. But from one individual piece, you can't tell what's going on until you put more pieces together. And so just by me, you can't tell what God's doing. But put you with me and us with them. And God's plan begins to take shape. But each of us have a part to play in that plan. And the entirety of the plan depends on me making sure I'm doing everything that I can to make sure my relationship with him is in order. So we are imperfect people, and that's just where God wants us. Are you a mess? Great! That's how he made us. You are in the absolute best company because all of us are, as the kids say, a hot mess whenever you look at us individually because we need him and he made us also to need each other in order to accomplish his purpose. So if you're imperfect, you're in the right place because if you're perfect, You don't belong in the kingdom of God because that's not what he created. He created us incomplete so that we would need each other and we would lock on to each other and hold on to each other. Sister Donna, if y'all would get ready and if you would stand with me. There's an old, old, old song that we haven't sang in a long time. I'm not sure if it was a Russ Taft song. That's just who I remember singing it. But the song is, You're my brother, you're my sister. And so this morning, if you're comfortable with it, now if you're not comfortable with it, that's perfectly fine. But if you're comfortable with it, I want you to take somebody else by the hand as we sing this song. Because the song says, You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us if we're walking side by side. And as long as there is love, we will stand. And it takes that love for us to make sure that we are together in the body of Christ because it's easy for me to get offended. I'm human. Whenever I cut my own finger, the first thing I think is, dummy, it's easy that's what I do I'm human but it's God moving in me that takes that attitude and turns it around to how can I help and so I need the love of God that I can't create by myself 
to be in me so that I can reach out to you and say, what do you need? How can I help? What, what is it that I can do to strengthen you? Because tomorrow I may need you to strengthen me because tomorrow I may be the one that's cut and bleeding. 